Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis, transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right, soccer dude, rockin' America. Talking about soccer lots, maybe some sandwich reviews, and Nostradamus too. I can roll forever, person noob, yeah. By the way, I'm Soccer Noob, and this is episode 69 of our show, Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring person noob. And we're going to mini preview matches uh, ranging for the days from Friday, February 4 through Thursday, February 10. Which matches? Well, the best and most intriguing ones in the entire world, of course. And as we define that here at Team Noob, that's different than any other show you're going to find. And a heaping helpful of silliness as well, as I'm sure you can tell. Joining me will be my daughter, Person Noob. Hello! Girl, get us started. Match number one! No Friday matches made our cut, so we start on Saturday for your first match with the 2021, yep, it got delayed because of COVID, FIFA Club World Cup. It is in the second round. Three of the four teams in this round actually got buys. They are starting at this level. There were just two teams in the first round that played one another. The two teams that we're going to talk about both got buys into this round. By the way, the whole thing's being held in the United Arab Emirates in Abu Dhabi. And your matchup, Confederation champions, as are nearly all in this event, all Ailey out of Egypt versus Monterey out of Mexico's Liga MX. The winner is going to get to play one of the two teams that got to buy all the way through to the third round, and that is Palmyras, the South American champions out of Brazil. The series between these two, at the very least in recent years, very brief. They played in 2012 and 2013, and Monterey won both. You can catch this one, by the way, at 11.30 in the morning Eastern Time U.S. on Fox Soccer Plus or Fox Deportes. We will talk about the home team, at least on paper. First, all Ailey, the Red Devils. They were considered the number one team in all of Africa in the 20th century, and so far they have the mathematical stake to that claim in the 21st century as well. Uh, Just to look at them worldwide, a a website that I really like how they do it, footballdatabase.com, they rank all Ailey number 26 in the world. That's really near uh, one of the Argentinian Uh, historical powers, uh, River Plate, just to sort of give some world perspective there. They did, of course, win the 2021 CAF uh, Champions League, and that was what qualified them for this. Uh, Best they've done is third place. They managed that in 2006 and then two years ago, 2020. Ten Champions League titles to their credit, and they are the two-time defending champions of that event. As far as their league play, which I think is the best thing to look at for how they're doing, uh, they are number one, and they have a match in hand as well over the second-best team right now in uh, Zamalek. Uh, Their offense is where the bread is getting better. They score over two-and-a-half goals per match, and the defense is top four as well. They give up exactly one per match in that regard, and they are undefeated. Now, uh, tied for number one in league scoring right now for them is Percy 
Tau. He comes from South Africa forward. He's already got five goals. There's a chance that uh, Brighton and Hove Albion fans may recognize his name. They had the rights to him for three years, but they always had him loaned out uh, of all places to Belgium, to some of their Division I various clubs. Tied for number one in assists. For the league is Mohamed Magdi, an attacking midfielder. He's got five of those. And going by clean sheets anyway, they've got the second-best goalkeeper in the league in Ali Lofty, 32-year-old veteran. But the all-around best player they have that I think going most valuable, technically he's a defender and he's a veteran, 32 years old, is Ali Malul. He's got four goals and one assist already on the league year, and he's great on crosses. He's going to get more assists. Very much a box-to-box player, and defenses have a hard time with him. That said, he is sometimes a little bit lax on his defensive duties, doesn't have a lot of clearances, but he does get a lot of good interceptions in space. Now, as far as this team's form, they're 0-4-2 in their last six. No wins, but it's worth pointing out the league went on break basically to play a large chunk of their league cup, which is the third most important trophy in Africa is all. And uh, so they haven't scored a lot in those matches, but I suspect that they've been rotating a lot of youthful players in for that. And now your challengers and the underdogs. Monterey out of Liga MX, known as the Steamroller Football Database, lists them at just outside the top 100 in the world. They won the 2021 CONCACAF Champions League, and that was their fifth title, in fact. They, too, just like Al-Ali, have not done any better than third place in this event. They uh, finished that high in 2012 and 2019. League play, it's very early in the Clausura or closing stage for the 2021-22 season for them. Just a 1-2-0 and record going for that. Not much to go on. So I looked at their stats from the opening or Apertura stage, and they didn't do all that great compared to the normal standards. Only a little bit above average. Finished in ninth, and then they went out of the league playoffs in the quarterfinals. Uh, the stats really back this up. They've only got you know a top eight offense, top six defense. Just not their usual selves, it seems like. Key players to look for. Tied for second best in assists is Alfonso Gonzalez. He is a left midfielder, but I think their best all-around player is probably Maximiliano Meza. I think he's Argentinian, but take that with a grain of salt, and he is really big on assists as well. Now, as far as the team's form, despite what I said before about kind of being cold on the stage, they're actually unbeaten in their last nine matches. As far as their last five, uh, this takes a little bit of the shine off that. They are 1-4-0, and a lot of draws, and the scores have been all over the place, for better or worse. My thoughts on this, uh, even though Al-Ali have not been playing their best ball of late, I think they're saving their legs for a match like this and are going to take it very seriously. I like them to win in penalty kicks. Match number B. That's right. That's how we count here. 1B345, because number two, yuck. Bathroom talk. Disgusting. Your match number B comes from Italy, the Serie A, which is not disgusting at all, as it is rated number three out of all European leagues. As such, they max out on international bursts. Four of their teams will go to the Champions League, one to the Europa League, and one to the new tertiary Europa Conference League. And your matchup, number one, Internazionale, Inter. They are taking on number three, uh, Milan, and this is the Derby della 
Madanina uh, Inter right now. They've got a big lead. Uh, they lead second best Napoli and Milan by nine. Uh, Milan in turn lead Atalanta and Juventus by six and seven points respectively. Uh, Inter have had a little bit the better of it in recent seasons with a 13-7-10 record against their foes today. Earlier this season when they played, it went to a 1-1 draw. I was going to say that when they played at Milan, but actually both of these teams play in the same stadium. Fun little side note, it's been mitigated over time now, but historically, Inter was sort of the uh, bourgeois team, if you will, while Milan was more of the blue-collar team. In any case, you can watch it at 12 o'clock Eastern Time, noon here in the U.S., CBS Sports Network, and or Paramount+. Plus. I don't know why I said and or. You're not going to watch it on two channels at the same time, I wouldn't think. In any case, we'll talk about Inter first. Uh, like a lot of cities in Italy, they've got an animal emblem. They are known as the big grass snake for a club. And in fact, the, uh, the Milan City emblem is a giant viper with an entire human being, a man in its jaws. They are ranked number five by football database worldwide. That puts them up in uh, the rarefied airs with uh, Real Madrid and Ajax out of the Netherlands. They won the Champions League back in 2009-2010. Uh, they also had a couple of uh, other titles in the 60s back when I'm pretty sure it was uh, the tournament was known as something else. And they're still alive in this year's Champions League. They are going to be playing Liverpool in the round of 16. Domestically, 29 league titles to their credit, and they are your defending champions. That was their first league title in a decade. Offensively, really getting it done. They're scoring close to two and a half goals per match. They also allow fewer than one goal per match, and that's good for the number one overall goal differential in the league, a key metric I really like. Key players to look for, number four league scorer, Lataro Martinez, Argentinian striker, 24 years old. He was actually a defender when he was coming up through whomever's uh, youth system. So he still can be played and does get played about anywhere in the field. He's a really little guy and does a lot of box-to-box stuff as well. They've got two players who are tied for being in the top three and assists in the league, but I think the better of them, and in fact the best all-around player on the team, is a Turkish central midfielder, Hakan Chahanaulu. I'm hoping that I'm getting the name right. Uh, to say my Turkish is rusty implies that it wasn't rusty at some point. That's not the case. In any case, he's got six goals and seven assists on the season already. Tremendous passer. Very good with his crosses, but he tracks back so well on defense. Pretty solid tackler. Lots of block shots. Lots of interceptions. Good in tight spaces. Good in open field. And then with 10 clean sheets already on the year is Samir Hemdanovic. That ranks him as number one or tied for number one in the league. 37 years old and still getting it done, probably uh, in large part due to his height. He is one of the tallest goalies I've ever seen at six foot four. Uh, he was born in Yugoslavia, internationally reps for, for Slovenia, and he's been with this club for ages since 2012. And he is a penalty kick specialist. So when I watch this game and there's any fouls, I'm going to be curious to see uh, what it's like when somebody his age is trying to stop those. As far as the team's current form, they are 7-1-0 across all competitions in their last eight with a very impressive 19-5 goal differential over that stretch. That said, the defense has been a little leakier the last two matches. And now your challengers, Milan, they are known as not the Devils, but singular, simply the Devil. 
which I don't care that they're in Italy. That's a little disconcerting for me, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Football database isn't bothered too much by it. They rank them number 17 in the world. This team has won the Champions League in Europe seven times, most recently uh, the 2006-2007 season. This year, they made the group stage, but they didn't advance any farther than that. They've won Serie A. 18 times. Most recent one was a decade ago, 2010-2011. Last year in second place. So these are the teams that finished number one and number B last year facing off. Uh, they've got the uh, they've got a top three offense going. The defense is not bad. It's above average, but it's only in the top six, I would say, at least statistically. And by the way, these are the only two teams in the league that are scoring more than two goals per match. So here's for hoping for a really fun shootout to watch on television. On the assist leaderboard for this team is Theo Hernandez. He's a French left back, 24 years old. Real Madrid fans will probably remember him. They uh, He played for them for one year, maybe part of another year, but then he got loaned out to Real Sociedad. And he earned four national caps, the young man, all within the last year. But their all-around best or most important player, I think, is Frank. And I'm going to pronounce his name, Kessier, but I'm not really sure. I know the E has an accent over it. Pretty sure it's French. He's from the Ivory Coast, plays central defensive midfielder, but... He's another box-to-box guy, likes to come up and help and boom him from outside the box. He's got five goals on the season already, and he's got a 90% passing rate. Just outstanding on his accuracy there. Uh, The team is 0-1-1 in its last two. My thoughts on this, uh, despite the fact that, as I mentioned, uh, the defense has been a little bit leaky for Inter. I think that this game will be uh, pretty tightly played in the first half, and then the Inter will go on. Uh, with one early second half goal and one very, very late goal to take this one two to nil. Match number three. That one was a Saturday match. I think I might have failed to mention it. And this one is as well. And it is the last of our Saturday matches. Another COVID delayed event. The 2021 Australian FFA Cup final. Don't be confused by the alphabet soup. It is also simply an FA Cup. I think they may be changing the name to that. I know they're changing it to something. This is the last year they're going to call it the FFA Cup for whatever reason. And something that makes this event unique is that, uh, like in Europe, they give away uh, Europa League or Europa Conference League berths to the winners of the FA Cup here, and this is the first time they've ever done it this way, they're going to give the winner an AFC Champions League berth. So not just the shiny trophy here, something real at stake. Uh, They're going to play this at AAMI Park in Melbourne, which means that this is a home match for Melbourne Victory, and they will be playing host to Central Coast Mariners. We'll talk about the Melbourne guys first. Uh, They won this event back in 2015. As far as the domestic league, they have four premieres to their credit. And what that means is they have won the regular season four times. They call that title the premiership. And then they have won the championship four times as well. And that is what they call the winner of their league playoffs at the end of the year. They most recently won that particular title in 2018. To advance out of the semifinal, they beat Wellington Phoenix 4-1. to one. Uh, As far as this year's A-League men stats. Uh, They're currently in second place. Give you some idea of where they are statistically. Top four offense, top five defense. So not all-time great in either regard, but that's good enough for second best goal goal differential overall. They're very well balanced. Key guys to look for, top 10 in scoring is Nicholas D'Agostino, striker, 23 years old, homegrown. But I think their all-around most important player is Jake Brimmer out of England. He's a, a central attacking midfielder, also just 23, 
all, already has three assists on the league season, very well-rounded statistically, but something that really impresses is he makes a lot of key passes. Now, that doesn't mean that he's getting just assists, but he's setting up the guys basically that gets the assists, gets those through balls or gets things pinging around so that somebody can maybe take advantage of a defensive error. And he plays defensive position sometimes as well. So this is a guy who tracks back no matter where he is on the field. As far as the team's current form, they are unbeaten in their last eight, although interestingly, neither they nor their teams have been held to zero goals in any of those eight matches. And now Central Coast Mariners, they play out of the city of Gosford, which is in suburban New South Wales. It's about uh, 45 miles north of Sydney, more or less. A uh, fun side note, they have a player development partnership with Everton out of the Premier League. So if you're a Toffees fan, this could be the A-League men side for you. They have two Premiers under, uh, two, under their belt. I was going to mix two phrases there. And they've won the league championship once. That was in 2011, their most recent trophy. Very impressive. They had to play Sydney FC in 1-0, one over them in the semifinals. As far as league play, not everything has been coming up CCM. Uh, they've only got, they're currently in seventh place, so a little below average. And that's uh, largely because their offense is not that great, not in the top half of the league. Defense, they've got a top four. Uh, as far as the scoring leaderboard, uh, they've got one guy on it, despite the fact that the whole team kind of has trouble. Marco Arena out of Costa Rica, striker, a CONCACAF guy. And yes, if you find that the left coast is the best coast, MLS fans may remember him. He has done time with both LAFC and the San Jose Earthquakes. Their all-around best player, though, in my opinion, is Oliver Bazanich, veteran central midfielder. Uh, he was actually with uh, Hearts of, or excuse me, Heart, singular, of Midlothian over in Scotland. That might be the third or fourth best team over there uh, in 2020 before he came over here a year and a half ago. And he is a tremendous dribbler and tackler. As far as the team's current form, they have lost their last two, and the defense has been starting to let them down. They conceded six goals in those two matches. So my thought on this is, if you're looking to gamble and always do so responsibly, I don't think this is going to be much of any defense played in this match and that that means that Melbourne victory is going to live up to their name. Match number four. And we move on to Sunday and start with a great matchup from the Bundesliga in Germany. Number B, Dortmund taking on number three, Leverkusen. Uh, Dortmund are well behind number one, Bayern Munich, and they're well ahead of number three, Leverkusen. They're going to finish in second place in the league. That much seems sure. So this is a really important match for Leverkusen as there are really five teams fairly close to each other, all battling for two Champions League berths. You can watch this one if you want at 9.30 in the morning Eastern Time, ESPN Plus Online. And that's all you're going to get out of me for this match because though he is not completely recovered from his cold that had him off last week, we have connection with 3,500-year-old in-house prognosticator Noob Stradamus to tell us how this match will go so that we may gamble wisely via a rich drug-addled uh, vision. <laughs> Take it away, almighty oh soothsayer. Greetings from Old Market in Dortmund. Having come here in person, plus having burned a little lotus leaf, I now travel through space and time. Whee! 
I've seen this city in so many forms. Burned, bombed, always rebuilt. Here at an outer defensive city gate, I know this is 1378. I embody the avatar of famous guardsman Herman Rubenkamp, or infamous. This evening, the gate is approached by two hay cars. The front, driven by Agnes von de Vierbecke. I jump from my post to open the city to the beautiful widow. She parks her cart in front of the open door. Could I go to the market meat bank to fetch her pothost as well? Of course. Who doesn't love a good pepper pot? Meat for a fine ragout stew. Off I trot, but soon the sound of treachery reaches my ears. I hear and see Agnes shouting from the Vistrasa Gate Tower, followed by guttural shouts of many, many men. The vision shifts, and I am held captive in the altar, the old market. The charges leveled against Agnes, her son, and a traitorous count are told us. Agnes had hidden soldiers in the carts and countryside and attacked the city. But the city inner gate had not been open as expected, and all were killed except for us captured. Already considered guilty we were. I had to watch as they burned Agnes alive right atop her own hay cart. It would be the hangman's noose for the rest, including me. Tricked, yet ultimately derelict of my duty. Do I deserve my fate? Thankfully, the vision ends before I meet my death there. The brother of the executed count would, four years later, lead 1,200 knights to the unsuccessful Siege of Dortmund, which led to the city motto, as firm as Dortmund. But a soccer score. Those three deserved to die, but not me. Dortmund will lose to Leverkusen by a score of one to three. I have seen, and I have spoken. Match number five. This is another Sunday match, and in fact, all the remaining matches out of the main ten here are... Sunday matches and a very rare, perhaps even unique occurrence. Not only did we not have a Friday match, we didn't have any matches that enticed us enough to include them on the show from Monday through Thursday. Everything's going to be weekend. This particular match is a dandy. It is your AFCON final, the championships in Africa for the national teams being played in Yaoundé, the capital of Cameroon. Now, I'm not really going to be able to do a mini preview or preview of any kind for this because at the time of scouting, I only knew who the semifinalists were going to be. Senegal uh, facing off against uh, the hosts Cameroon and then Egypt playing uh, upstart Burkina Faso. By the way, also an interesting side note, there's going to be like a consolation or third place match on Saturday too. In any case, in lieu of that, I thought this would just be fun to do something completely different tell you a little bit about myself and one of the guys who does a lot of work on the show, Dan, the Interno Inferno and I 
met at a competitive Scrabble club. Yeah, never heard of such a thing. It's real. Google up the NASPA, N-A-S-P-A, North American Scrabble Players Association. Hundreds of clubs all over the U.S., all over Canada, in fact, all over the world. But this is our particular domestic organization. And even my wife and I met on the uh, Scrabble tournament circuit, so to speak. Nerd alert! In any case, so but we'd have a little fun with something along those lines. If you take all the consonants in Burkina Faso, you can only make three valid Scrabble words. Break fronts, which is the plural of a type of cabinet or bookcase that has the central section that extends outward from the uh, sections that are on either side. Another one is breakfasting, which is a verb I just love because it makes me think of hobbits for some reason. And then lastly, blanket flowers, which I thought at first would be a general term for just all the flowers covering a meadow or a dale or something like that. But it's actually a specific flower, a sunflower or something from that family. And that is the official flower of Wallonia. Yeah, the Walloons, one of the three regions in Belgium. And then not to be outdone, Dan the Interno Inferno went ahead and uh, took all four of the semifinalist names and made a sentence out of them. E, which is three E's. I croon base for a mangy unkept gal. Why we're trying to win a mangy unkept gal's heart through music, we're not sure, but it does include all of the letters exactly once. Kind of fun. Ah, the siren call of the household kittens. It means only one thing on this show, and that is it's time to take a break from tracking the upcoming week's matches and, well, do a recap of last week's. Let's get into it. Friday, match number one, CONMEBOL World Cup qualifying. We saw number four, Colombia, play host to number five, Peru, and it was Peru that came out on top, nil one. Uh, DC United from Major League Soccer, one of their stars, Edison Flores, had a goal. Christian Cueva, man that we said to look for, had an assist. Assist. Uh, that moved Peru all the way up to number four, and it knocked Colombia down to number six. Saturday, match number B was from the Ethiopian Premier League, where uh, second place St. George took on uh, number one Fossil City, and it was St. George in a rout, winning 4 0. And so you got a new number one in Ethiopia for the moment. Match number three was the Portuguese League Cup final, where two of the big three there were facing off Benfica and Sporting CP, and it was Sporting getting the trophy 1 2. Congratulations to them on the tertiary trophy for the year. Sunday, match number four, more World Cup qualifying from CONCACAF. It was number one, Canada, taking on number B, USA, and it was the Canada ENs. <clears throat> yeah, that works. Sure. Uh, they won 2-0. Kyle Laren had a goal, and uh, there was no change in table position. They are still number one and number B. Match number five was from the round of 16 in the AFCON, and it was Senegal playing uh, host on paper anyway. It was in the neutral site to Equatorial Guinea, and Senegal came out on top 3-1. Uh, Sadio Mane had an assist for the winners, and a man that we said to look for, Pablo Gannett, had an assist for Equatorial Guinea. Match number six from Croatia's first league. Number one, Dinamo Zagreb took on number B, Rijeka. And it was the leaders getting a bigger lead. They won 2-0 on this day, and that knocked Rijeka down to number three. Match number seven, it was microstate time, the National League of Gibraltar, where we had number one, Lincoln Red Imps, facing off against number B, Europa. And it was a shootout, and it went to a draw, 3-3. So no change in table position here. Tuesday, match number eight, more World Cup qualifying, third round from Asia, the AFC. We had number four in the group, Oman, desperately needing a win against number three, Australia. Anything else that would see them eliminated? 
they got a result, but not the one they needed. Only a 2-2 draw. So Australia remains in third, and Oman are, I believe, mathematically eliminated from advancing to the World Cup. Wednesday, match number nine, uh, the Scottish Premiership, number B, Celtic taking on number one Rangers, the old firm. And the result was Celtic winning 3-0, and so you have new leaders in Scotland. Congratulations, Celtic. Thursday, match number 10, from the FIFA Club World Cup, the very first round, from the host country, not a confederation champion, Al Jazeera there of uh, the United Arab Emirates. They got to play P-Ray, an amateur team from Tahiti that got selected to go in place of the New Zealand champion. I believe they withdrew because of COVID. And while Al Jazeera did one four to one, it was a really big deal that the Tahitians got a goal. And now your three bonus matches with explanations coming later. <clears throat> the route of the week was a Tuesday match from the Welsh Premier League. Number one, TNS played host to number 12, Kevin Druids, the last placers. And you got it right, voters. TNS did beat them in around 5-1. to one. Possible man in the match that we said to look for, Declan McManus. He did have one of the goals. And then your most meaningless match in the world was a Sunday match from the Swiss Super League. Number 7, Scion, taking on number 6, Grasshopper. And it was Scion coming out on top 2-0. Anto Gurgic, that we said to look for, had an assist. And these two, so meaninglessly, simply changed the table positions. And then your match of disappointment, a Sunday match from the Pro League in Nigeria. The NPFL had last place number 20, MFM, taking on number 15, Shooting Stars. And Shooting Stars continue their climb away from the relegation zone. They got a nil-one win on the road, uh, put them all the way up to 12. Congratulations on that. And that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive right back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. And we're off to England for the FA Cup to do some minnow watching. Going to look for underdogs from well down the English pyramid to root four. The fourth round is the round of 32. But we're not going to talk about, like we usually do, the very lowest seeded team. Why? Because two weeks ago, I believe it was, we talked about Kidderminster from all the way down at the sixth level of the English pyramid. Well, they're still alive. They actually won their match those, those two weeks ago. So now we are going to talk about the second lowest seeded team. They are from the fifth level of the English pyramid, Borum Wood, and they get to take on the mighty, mighty fighting cherries of AFC Bournemouth. Not quite their official nickname, but that's how we refer to them around here. And they are Team Noob's favorite club in the entire world. We love the South Coast. It is truly the best coast of England. You can catch this match on ESPN Plus online, 1.30 in the afternoon Eastern time. And just like always, we're only going to talk about the minnow. You'll have to learn about the Fighting Cherries some other time. Normally, we look for excuses to talk about them. Anyway, Boromwood, the club, is Boromwood with a space, but they are from the town of Boromwood, which is all one word, in the county of Herefordshire, which is part of the London commuter commuter belt. It is well to the north, a town of over 30,000. Cinephiles will know the name well. This is basically the capital or the center of uh, United Kingdom film and TV. Elstree Studios and a bunch of other ones are all right here in this town. Over the years, so many famous movies have been filmed uh, in part or entirely <clears throat> in this uh, area. Star Wars, Moby Dick, uh, Dr. Zhivago, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, The Shining is another one that stands out for me. Now, as far as the team, they got to start in the last qualifying round. They didn't get to start in the event 
proper. And then since getting out of that qualifying round, they have beaten a level five team, a level six team, and then their big upset, uh, they played uh, League One, which is the third level, AFC Wimbledon. They got to play them at home and won 2-0. The league they play out of is called the National League. It is uh, the least of the leagues that has a nationwide scope in the teams that it has in it. As far as their 2021-22 season, they're currently in fifth place, but all the teams around them have played anywhere from one to three more matches because Borum would have had to postpone some of their league ones because of their great FA Cup run. This is the highest league they've ever been in, and in 2017-18, they had their best finish in club history. They finished in fourth place. This year, uh, the offense is very average at best. Only ranks in the top 12, even just for that league. But they've got the number one defense by a lot. That is how they win their games. And it's good for the overall number four goal differential in that league. That said, talking a little bit about the offense team leading scorer to look for with eight goals on the season, just outside of the top 10 for scoring, is homegrown Josh Reese, who plays out of the midfield. Uh, Nottingham Forest names, there is a chance, uh, fans, there is a chance that you may recognize his name. Uh, he played with them uh, probably for reserve side for a couple of years and made one senior team appearance. This team, as far as their current form, they are unbeaten in all competitions in their last 16 matches. Now, I may be playing biased, but as far as my noob thoughts for this one, sorry, Boromwood, but I think the fairy tale run ends here. You're going to be playing the best team that you've ever faced, perhaps in your entire club history. I am picking my fighting cherries to win 3 0. Match number seven. And now we're off to Asia and the women's side of the game, specifically the Women's Asian Cup. We're going to look at one of the playoff matches. I'll describe exactly what that means momentarily. Now, this is a particularly important event because not only is this the national championships for all the women's national teams, I'm sorry, the confederation championships for all the women's national teams, but this event has also been doubling as the World Cup qualifier for them. Now, at the time of scouting, I did not know who the finalists were, so I was not going to be able to do a match preview proper for the final. But in a way, that's a good thing because all four of the semifinalists still left alive at the time I was doing my research have all already qualified for the World Cup. The top five teams from this event get to go, and those are the top four. So the fifth, sixth, and seventh place teams are going to play a single round robin little group stage. And the reason there isn't four losing quarterfinalists is because Australia was one of those. They don't need to compete. They're hosting the next Women's World Cup, so they have already qualified. So uh, these three teams, Vietnam and Chinese Taipei, or Taiwan if you prefer, and Thailand are all each going to play each other one time. The winner will qualify automatically for the World Cup, and then the other two are still not out of it. They will get to go to inter-confederation playoff matches, have to survive some sort of group stage and a little mini knockout tournament for a chance at uh, one or two more, I believe, World Cup spots. In any case, the match we're going to look at is Vietnam versus Chinese Taipei, or Taiwan. Uh, we'll talk about Vietnam first, your home team on paper, and they are known as the Golden Star Women Warriors. Love that name. 100% of their players play with domestic clubs. I really like that. In FIFA, they're ranked 32 worldwide. They're considered the sixth best team in Asia. Never been to a World Cup. As far as this event, uh, 2014 was the best they ever did. They finished in sixth place. 
this year in the group stage, they didn't actually win any games. They went 0-1-2 with only a 2 and a goal differential. And yet, that was good enough to advance. There were three groups of four. All, all the number one and number B finishers in the group stage got to advance. And then two of the number three finishers also got to go. So they qualified as one of those number three finishers. And they did not make the semifinals because they lost to China 3-1 to in the quarters. Key player to look for? I'm not really sure. I wasn't able to find a lot of stats. So I will at least mention that one of their vice captains is Wen Tai Tuyet Dung. She's got 56 national team caps and has scored 44 goals for them over that stretch. She's been with the same domestic club since 2010, Fong Fu Hot Nam, if I'm getting the pronunciation right. And I know she's very good because she won the Golden Ball Award, which I gather is the best player in the country back in 2014. And she, her for her whole career, has worn the number seven in honor of her idol, Ronaldo. As far as the team's current form, they have not been that hot. The win over Thailand that they just had, uh, because they beat them uh, 2-0, and so this thing has already started, this little mini group stage, that broke an 0-1-3 funk that they were in. And now Chinese Taipei, or Taiwan, we don't get into the politics really here, they are known as the Mulan. They're ranked number 39 worldwide by FIFA and considered the eighth best team in the AFC. They have been to the World Cup, but only once, 1991, and they got all the way to the quarterfinals. They've won this event three different times, although the last time was 1981, I think before Madonna even had her first hit. In any case, odd reference, uh, they last qualified for this event in 2008. It's been a while. They advanced uh, to this stage, the knockouts, as by uh, virtue of finishing in second place in their group. They only had to play two games. They went 1-0-1 with a 5-4 and goal differential, a couple of shootouts. They only had to play twice because India was in their group, and that team withdrew because of COVID. And they got knocked out of the quarterfinals by the underdogs, Philippines. Uh, that game finished 1-1 in regular time, and then the Philippines won 3-4 on penalty kicks. Leading goal scorer all time for this team that is still on the roster is Lee Siu Chin. She's got 19 goals over the course of her international career. Plays forward for them and for her domestic club, Taichung Blue Whale. And she's earned 27 national team caps since 2013. This team's current form, they are 1-1-1 this year. My thoughts on this one, I'm afraid for Vietnam that there's going to be no first World Cup ever for them, at least not today. They might be able to do it through uh, one of the inter-confederation playoffs. I think that Chinese Taipei slash Taiwan are going to take this one two to one. Match number eight. Back to Europe we go to one of the microstates. Say hello to the National Division of Luxembourg where we've got a great matchup. Number one, F91, uh, Dudelang takes on number B, uh, Progress Niederkorn. Uh, Dudelang lead uh, Niederkorn by one in the table, and then Niederkorn in turn lead UNA Strassen by one. And then there's a couple other clubs that are not all that far back. It's really going to be quite the race. And maybe we'll talk about it again sometime, but given that this is match number eight, this is a traditional time in the show for us to take a break and use soccer and the study of it as an excuse to study other things in the world culturally. Usually food this time, and I'm not sure of the pronunciation, but I am sure that it sounds delicious. We're going to talk about a traditional Luxembourgian dish, Jud Mat Gardbunen. It is from uh, 
It is traditional in the southeast part of the country. It comes from a village called uh, Gostigen, or if it takes from the German influence, it might be Gostigen. Uh, in any case, this is an area that is known for uh, growing really good broad beans, which are really, really close to being fava beans. Yes, enjoy them with a nice Chianti. You've got to make that reference with fava beans. Now, the dish I'm describing uh, is basically pork collar, which is the shoulder blade, as the same cut of meat that you would traditionally find in carnitas. So if you've had that before, I'm sure you have, then you know the quality of the meat and the texture. Let's talk about the preparation. Uh, after you soak, uh, soak rather the pork collar overnight, the cured or sometimes smoked collar is boiled or skimmed, and then you allow that to simmer with leeks, carrots, celery, cloves for a couple of hours. You should also include right in the water a tied-up bunch of uh, other spices that you like, but long-grown. It's called a bouquet garni. Uh, and then uh, you might even toss in a, a glass of wine like a Moselle, which sounds French, but I'm pretty sure it's actually a German Riesling. In any case, now we've got to talk about the beans. You blanch those in water for five minutes while you're preparing your sauce, which is going to include chopped onion, bacon cubes, and flour. And you brown those in butter in a saucepan, and then you add in the meat stock and stir that into the sauce, which should be uh, not too terribly viscous, very liquidy. And you simmer that for 20 minutes. Then you add in the blanched beans, and finally you top it off with some savory pepper and salt. And then when the pork is ready, you take that out of the broth, slice it, and traditionally it is arranged on the large plate right there with the beans. So it's part of the dish, not a side dish, but neither, neither are they all mixed together. And this dish, uh, I most often saw it, uh, pictures of it being enjoyed uh, with various kinds of beer, but I also saw wine suggestions, and I say, if you're going to put a German Riesling into the sauce, why not enjoy it with a German Riesling as well? Now, just a little bit more, and this is going to be about what exactly the name means that, uh, well, first of all, the origin of the word Jud, uh, if I'm even saying it right, it's not exactly clear. One possibility I read about that it comes for a Spanish word for bean from the uh, Galician region. There's a pork fish that's served there with broad beans that's locally called uh, Shudia, which is spelled exactly uh, the same. Now, it's been theorized that the dish was brought to Luxembourg actually by Spanish troops during like the 17 or maybe 1800s. But if that's true, the weird thing is that the whole name Jud Mat Gardebonen would mean beans with beans, which doesn't exactly make sense. So we'll talk about one other possible etymology. And I hope this doesn't come across as racially insensitive. We're talking about something from the moderately distant past. It's also been argued by some that the term arrives from the word Jew, Judeo, because of the dark color of the beans might have reminded some people of the dark skin of the Jews of Spanish descent. So, regardless of what the uh, name actually means, go enjoy some pork collar and fava beans. It, and Google up some pictures. It really does look delightful. Match number nine. All right, and let's hop back over to Asia for Indonesia's Liga 1 action. This is just ranked uh, number 23 out of the 47 league associations in all of Asia, so just barely above average. But we're especially, I think, going to enjoy looking at this one because it is going to be one of the world's great domestic top-flight league finishes, in my opinion. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season now, and there's a lot at stake. Um, 
They get one team that goes to the Champions League, although that team has to start all the way back in the preliminary round. Then their second-place finisher will go to the AFC Cup, the secondary tournament in Asia, and they'll get to start all the way up in the group stage. And then one more team will get to possibly go to the AFC Cup. They're considered a standby team. So if somebody drops out for COVID or not being able to get the proper license or for whatever reason, they will uh, slip in and get to play probably in one of the qualifying rounds. And by the way, something interesting about Indonesia, they are one of the lowest ranked leagues that gets to send any of their clubs to the Champion League, Champions League. You only go a few more notches down the coefficients and none of those leagues get to send their champions there. They all have to go to the secondary tournament AFC Cup. Now, your matchup. Number five, Persib Bandung is playing host to number B, Bayankara FC. Now, when I scouted it, this was a number three versus number B matchup, but some matches have, has, have of course, has always been played since then. And so uh, Bandung is a little bit further down, but they do have a match in hand against all the teams that are around them in the table. And speaking of the table, my goodness, four points separate number one and number five. And again, they're, they've only got a third of the season to go. So everything is going to count extra. Looking at it more specifically, Bayankara currently lead uh, Bandung by three, and then they trail number one, Arema, by just one point. As far as the recent series between these two, very even, three, two, and three. Earlier this season, it was Bandung that got the road win at Bayankara, nil to two. And we'll talk about the home team first, as always, Perceive Bandung. Bandung is the name of the city that they are from. Got about 2.5 million people in the city proper, 8 million in the uh, greater, greater metro, if you will. This is the third biggest area uh, within Indonesia, and it's very different climate-wise than the rest of the country. This is where the highlands are. It's very, very much cooler than the rest of the far more tropical, uh, climated, if that's a word, country. And that makes it a very popular tourism spot, especially domestically. A lot of people from the capital like to come here for their vacations. And why not? Because they developed a lot of art, a lot of great architecture, brought a lot of things in. This area was originally developed, if not quite founded, as a resort city by and for the Dutch the Dutch colonial plantation owners, and is considered the, uh, quote, Paris of Java, end quote. The team, they are nicknamed the Tigers, also the Blue Prince. They are the number 80 ranked AFC club. Interestingly, uh, their crest, club name, and location are by league rule all forbidden to be changed. They're all considered culturally protected because this club was founded as a representative of the Sundanese people of Western Java, which is the province where this is. Footy-wise, they have won two league titles, 1994-1995, which I believe was the first year of the modern uh, Liga 1, and then they also won it in 2014. They made the Champions League twice, uh, made the quarterfinals once, and then they made the round of 16 once in the AFC Cup. That was back in 2015. Uh, last year, doesn't really matter where they finished because they only played three matches. Thank you so much, COVID. This year, statistically, the offense very, very average, but the defense tied for best. They're only giving up a little more than one goal every other match. Uh, Scoring-wise, key player to look for, their team leading scorer is Mohamed Rashid from Palestine. He's a central midfielder with six goals and an assist on the year and 16 national caps for his homeland, by the way. As far as the team's current form, they are 4-0-1. And interestingly, 
all five of those matches ended either uh, 1-0 or 0-1, no matter who won, who lost. And now your visitors from Bayankara. They are known as The Guardian. Very interesting club. It was founded, it's, it's fairly new, in 2010 when they split off from another club and this sort of a rebel faction, if you will. They went ahead and bought the Division II license from a different club and then earned their way right back into Legal One. They're known as The Guardian because this is a police team. They have been since 2016, and many of the players are, in fact, actual uh, policemen or involved in law enforcement. Uh, they play in the city of Suricarta, which is in central Java, metro area of about three and a half million people. Interestingly, they actually were in Jakarta, the capital, but perceived Jakarta is one of the most, uh, probably the most club in all of the country. And so they wanted to move somewhere else in hopes that they could develop their own fan base. But apparently the police are not the most popular group in Indonesia because so far from what I've read, it has absolutely not worked. <laughs> in any case, they won the league title once. That was in 2017. This year, very well balanced. Tied, uh, they've got a tied for number three offense and defense both. Key man to look for top. 10 score in the league is Ezekiel and Doasol. He is from Chad. First time I think I've ever talked about a player from there. Striker, veteran, 33 years old. Uh, European footy fans, not much shot with him. He did play for Hapoel Tel Aviv in 2017. He's also earned 45 national team caps for Chad. He earned those between 2005 and 2015. He's probably not playing for them right now because if memory serves, I don't think the Chadian FA is active currently for a variety of naughty reasons. As far as the team's current form, they are 3-0-1 of their last four with a 7-6 goal differential. My thoughts on this one is that it's going to end in a 1-1 draw. The policemen are going to be able to salvage a point. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. And finally, we're going to do a mini preview from Africa. Unlike with the AFCON, we will talk about a full match from Burundi this time. We're headed to their League A. Now, this re league is not ranked by the African Confederation. They only give official rankings to like the top 60% of the continent for some reason. But in any case, the winner still gets to go to the Champions League, and they're about two-thirds of the way through the season. And your matchup is number B, Atletico Olympic versus number one, uh, Bumamaru. Bumamaru? I don't know. It's got a full house of U's over M's. The Scrabble player in me is just very, very confused. If you've got those letters, you're scrabbling wrong. In any case, uh, Bumamaru, let's say it, lead by six. Uh, Olympic in turn lead Flambeau de Centre by four. And when they played earlier this season at Bumamaru, it was Bumamaru winning three to one. We'll talk about Olympic though first. They play out of the city of Bujumbura, another three you thing, just like, uh, well, Burundi's only got two, not three. So much for that. In any case, Bujumbura is in the west central part of the country. It is the former capital and very recently former. They just started a three-year process of moving the official political capital. Uh, Bujumbura is going to remain the economic capital, if you will, back to uh, the city of what is now called Gatega. They started that process in 2019. So everything will be happening legal-wise apparently sometime this calendar year. Uh, Bujumbura is their big port city. Uh, they far away their most important crop is coffee. And this is where everything ships out of city of about a million people. History majors may recognize it because this was a small town that grew into a great big key town, uh, key town in the area when it was part of German East Africa during colonial times. 
As far as the footy, they've won the league title twice, most recently a decade ago, 2011. Champions League, they made that in 2012 then, of course, but they were out in the preliminary round. 2010, they also got to play in the Confederations Cup, the secondary tournament down there, but they were out then in the preliminary round as well. They are much improved from last year, finishing 12th place last year, not in the relegation zone, obviously, but they weren't that far above it. Uh, this year, as far as the stats, this is a very low scoring lead, to be perfectly honest. They don't score much over one goal per match, but that's a top four offense in this league. Uh, they're tied for number one in defense, though. They've only given up 14 goals in 20 matches. As far as their current form, five straight wins, very impressive, six goals scored, and they have given up nary a one. And now Bumamaru, they play out of the city of Sibitoke, if I'm getting that right, C-I-B-I-T-O-K-E. Uh, it's a town in the far northwest of the country, only about 25,000 people. I'm not sure when this club was founded. I think it may have been just in 2017. At least that's what I was finding league records for for this team. Doesn't appear they've ever won any league titles. The last four years they've been here in the top flight. The year before that, they were in the second division. If these are the only four years that they've played in Division One, then the best they've ever done was 2018-19 when they finished in fifth place. And they are also your defending FA Cup winners, which means they got to play in this past year's Confederations Cup. But unfortunately, they lost in the first round. Last year, they finished in 11th place. So this is another team that is very much on the rise, much improved. They have the number one offense in the league by lots, and yet that's not much more than one and a half goals per match. And uh, the defense, uh, they're only like uh, a goal. They've only conceded one more goal, I think, than their opponents today. And they've got the number one goal differential in the league because of that offense. It's almost twice as good as anybody else in the league. Their current form, the team has gone 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three. As far as my thoughts on this one, I'm going to go with the power of Boomamaru. I think they're going to get out a uh, eke out a nil one win. It's me, your real star of the show, Person Noob. This is my segment. Since Dad thought the best matches only Saturday and Sunday matches, I'm here to correct things. Let's call it the best match, the best matches from Friday plus Monday through Thursday. Not too bad, eh? Anyways, here's the best match for me, soccer dum-dum, dad left out. Friday. So, it's Mastodon, the country I did my social studies report on last week. Anyways, the Gambia is cool for being small like me. Number B, Walladen plays number one, Wa Banjul football. It's early in the season, but they're undefeated and tied. Monday. In Iraq's Premier League, number one faces number B. Sure, number one, Al Shorta, leads by 16, but whoever finishes number B gets to go to the AFC Cup. And the race for that is close, as the season's over a half done. Tuesday. There's still a bunch of third level teams alive in the Hungary's FA Cup. They all play Monday in the round of 16. I couldn't decide between them. I can't pronounce any of them. I'm mine, and it's Hungarian, but you can't either. Wednesday. Colombia's 2021 season is over, but now the two stage winners will play the final. Seems like a national championship, and pretty important to me. Dad said it wasn't because both teams already got to go to South American Champions League. His judgment is sometimes off. I just need to be telling you. <laughs> Trophy is shiny and cool. Soccer dweeb. Thursday. Okay, 
In fairness, Thursday was pretty thin. The closest thing to an interesting match was number one versus number four in Mexico's second division. But now that number four team has already dropped to number eight since Dad did his research. So, New Shadamas is coming for a visit this week. We're going bowling, soccer free day. And that concludes my best matches of the week my dad was too lazy to tell you about segment. Yeah, the name could be shorter. Tell us what you call it on Twitter at Soccer Noob USA, and we'll do this again some other time. Goodbye! Bring forth the bonus matches! And this is perhaps my favorite part of the show, in large part because you, the listener, have had a chance to help determine what the matches are going to be. And these aren't just any matches, the bonus matches. You'll find out what I mean. Very different criteria for these. You get a chance to vote every single week on Twitter if you choose to look me up. I am Soccer Noob USA. I put up the candidate matches on polls early in the week. You vote and dreamy matchups and content happen. It's awesome. Our first match is called the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And the one you selected is a Saturday match from Algeria's League One, where the season is almost halfway through. And now you find out why we label it as we do. This is number one, CR Belwizdad, versus last place, number 18, WA Tlemcen. Although, uh, who knows? Maybe Tlemcen can make a game of it. The last eight, time they've play- eight times they've played, the record has been 2-4-2. Two, and two. We'll talk about your likely victors in waiting first, Belwizdad. That is the name of a quarter or section of the capital city of Algiers. It has about 40,000 people, and it is lovely, adjacent to the beautiful Mediterranean Sea. Footy-wise, eight league titles to their credit, and this is the new power right now. They are the two-time defending champions. And last year, they even made a quarterfinal run in the Champions League, which is the best they've ever done. Now, I talked about Indonesia's race being perhaps the best one in the world. This may be the only league that's this far along that could uh, give them a run for their money in that regard. Only eight points separate first place and ninth place. The entire top half of the league is really uh, very much still in the mix. Now, this, like some other ones, is also not your highest scoring league in the world, uh, world, to be perfectly honest. They've got a top four offense, but they don't even score one and a half goals per match. The defense's top five is all, and yet they give up less than one goal per match. They've got the second best overall goal differential, so I think that they're going to be right in the thick of it till the very end based on that key metric. Team leading score for them to look for is Karadine Merzogui. He is an attacker with four goals on the season. The team's current form, they just lost to NC Magra, which broke a three-match winning streak. And now you're perhaps a roadkill, if you will, Tlemcen. But again, who knows? Now, this is a city in the far northwest part of the country, has maybe 400,000 people, and it's a nice little tourism site, sort of a well-kept secret other than right there in the region. And it's because of the confluence of influences of both the Berber and the Al-Andalusian culture. So you get the best of some of that Bedouin stuff and then the south of Spain culture as well from the Moorish times. Now, they've never had really much luck in the league, but they did win the FA Cup twice, most recently in 2001-2002, and they won the Arab Club Champions Cup in 1998. So perhaps they can pray to their soccer ancestors for a little bit of success and take down the champs. Uh, They currently trail number 14, 
Hussein Day by five. That is the team that represents safety because four teams are going to get relegated from this league. Last year, they barely avoided that fate. They finished uh, 15th out of what at the time was 20 teams, slightly expanded because of not relegating the year before, as you might guess, due to COVID. So they did allow some teams to be promoted. They just didn't lose anybody. Statistically this year, by far the worst offense in the league, exactly one half goal per match and the worst defense in the league, not by leaps and bounds, but they do give up over one and a half per. As far as the team's current form, their season has gone somewhat interestingly. They won their first match of the season and then lost every single time, I believe, until their most recent match where they beat number 13, MC Oran. I've been giving my noob thoughts for the regular matches. I will do so for the bonus matches as well. And since it is the route of the week, I think that Belouis' dad will win 19 to nil. Okay, not really, but you get the point. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. And congrats to the Premier League of Lesotho for providing us the most meaningless match in the world. This is the 2020-2021 season. They're still wrapping it up. This is a Saturday match. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season there. Only the champion will get to go to the Champions League. On the other end of the spectrum, four of the 16 teams are all going to be relegated. And neither of these teams probably have to worry about any of that, which is why this is so darn meaningless. Hey, who else, at the very least outside of their own country or region, is talking about number eight, Kick for Life, and that is the number four in the middle, and they are taking on number nine, LMPS. Kick for Life won earlier their season when they played. They got a nil one win. Kick for Life, they currently lead LMPS by three in the table. They trail number one, Matlama, by 17, so uh, these teams aren't getting a sniff of the championship. And then LPM, LMPS, in turn, lead number three, Likopo, by 12, and that's the team, the best team that's in the relegation zone. So, again, neither of these teams facing drama, good or bad, but we're still going to talk about it. First, kick for life. Now, this is why I love doing this show. It was just two, maybe three weeks ago, we talked about C.D. Mouches from the 4th Division in Mexico, which was only founded a few years ago. It was the first team in Mexico, at the very least, to be created specifically to represent uh, the LGBT community as uh, they phrase it themselves. Now, this team doesn't do that, but it is, they claim, excuse me, to be the world's first club dedicated specifically to social change. And by that, what they mean specifically is uh, long-term prospects for young people. Uh, They put a lot of uh, money and resources towards health, education, employability, and gender equality. In fact, they're actually registered as a charity here in the United States and the UK. The two guys that founded the club are actually uh, from the United Kingdom. And by the way, speaking of the gender equality, in 2020, they became the first world club to commit to gender equal rights and pay. They founded their men's team in uh, 2008 and the women's team the very next year in 2009, really, really ahead of things down there, I believe, for that region. 
As far as the men's team, they won the Northern Stream A Division in 2013-14, and they have been in Division One ever since. They play out of the capital city of Masaru, and the, the club also is involved with a big restaurant there and a convention center. It's all part of the charity and providing jobs for uh, at-risk and other youths. Last year, they finished in ninth place, so they're right about in the same spot now. Although that looked like a, an abbreviated season last year, they only got in just over half the matches. This year, uh, they don't score even one goal per match, but they don't allow even one goal per match either. This is another one of those leagues that's not all that high scoring. As far as the team's current form, they're sort of in a win-loss pattern. They've been so at least for the last seven matches they played. And now LMPS, they also play out of the capital city and we get our second police team of sorts. Well, not of sorts, it is a police team, but it's a little bit different. And if you can guess by the music, you have the right of it. Well, that is for Dudley Do-Right of the Canadian Mounted Police. LMPS stands for Lesotho Mounted Police Service. So specifically the horsey cops, I guess. And they're, uh, by the way, their badge is really cool. Google it up. It's a police badge shape, but the outline is largely formed by rays that are jutting out from the center. It's not just a standard base outline. It's very neat. And also on the crest, I like that they have two slogans, although weirdly one of them is upside down at the top. It says LMPS for change. And in the bottom upside down, it says Simunye for life. And Simunye, if I'm saying right, is the Zulu word for we are one. And it's just a very neat crest. This is a bit of a step down for them. Last year, they finished in fourth place. This year, the stats kind of back up where they are. The defense is a little bit better than average, but that is about it, to be honest. And as far as their current form, uh, they are 1-0-2 in their last three. And what do I think the score is going to be? Noob thoughts? That's yeah, the most meaningless match in the world. Does it really matter? And for the first time, all three of our bonus matches are on the same day. You voted for another Saturday match. This one from the Israeli Premier League. And this one is the match of... Disappointed! Yes, two teams from the very bottom of their league worthy of our scorn in Israel. This is the number 22 ranked league in UEFA. And they're not that high because of these two bottom feeders. Still... The league gets one Champions League berth and two Europa Conference League berths, which these two teams will never see. And then two teams are going to get relegated. And so far, it's looking like these are your fellas. Uh, they're 20 matches in to the season. Uh, once they've gotten to 26, that completes a double round robin. At that point, the top six will move on to the championship round where they will simply play against one another. And the bottom eight will move on to the relegation round. And nary the two shall meet. And the last place team has already qualified for the relegation round. Even if they were to win out, which would never happen with either of these, they still couldn't get to the championship round and compete for the title. Your matchup, number 14 in very last place, uh, Maccabi Peta Tikva, and they are taking on number 13, second to last place, Hapoel Jerusalem. Now, it's Jerusalem that uh, lead uh, Peta Tikva by five, and they trail two other teams by one point. So in truth, for them, all hope isn't quite lost. Things really look worse for Petatikva right now because the points will not start over once they split into their championship and relegation rounds. When the two teams earlier this season played, one of them did actually manage to get a win, and that was Jerusalem winning at home 1-0. But we'll talk about Petatikva first. They are known as uh, Haluzanim, which means uh, the Luzans. And that's because their current chairman 
their manager. We've had a couple of key former players all have this last name. I presume that they're related. Uh, the city, meanwhile, Petatikva has a very cool translation. It means door of hope, and it's from the uh, Christian and uh, Jewish book of Hosea. The city is about a quarter million people. Uh, it's part of the greater overall Tel Aviv area, actually, and it's the second biggest industrial area in the country, which is way sort of unfortunate. It used to be just beautiful with all the orange growths, but now you've got industry. Textiles is probably leading one of several. But we will not be too hard on this team or its city, which is a rarity for us here at the Match of Disappointed, because Petatikva was the birthplace of one Gal Gadot, your Wonder Woman. Yeah, let that sink in. I can't, I just can't be all that mean to him, be perfectly honest. So, with that in our heads, we will move on with a little bit more footy about them. Uh, they won Liga Lumet, which is the second division two years ago. And then last year, wow, they really went after it. I think they might have even gotten to play in Europe. They finished in fifth place this year, not so much so, two, five, and 13 on the year. Tied for the worst offense. They've only scored 14 times. Defense isn't a whole lot better. Uh, outside of the top two, to be perfectly honest, the defense is really the same pretty much across the league. So the offense is very much their issue. Uh, that said, uh, their team leading scorer, the guy who is trying to get it done, is Lamech Banda. He's got four. He's from Zambia, just 21 years old and just five foot seven. And he is here actually on loan. From Europe. So, Arsenal fans, do you recognize the name? No? Well, that might be because it's not the Premier League's Arsenal. He's here on loan from Arsenal Tula, which is in the first division in Russia. As far as the team's current form, they are 1 1 and 2 in their last four. But very impressively, that win was against number B, Hapoa Beersheva, uh, in the, the last time that they played in the FA Cup. And that puts them in the semifinal, just two games from a trophy. It'd really be something if they won that, got to go to the Europa Conference League by winning the FA Cup, and then got relegated. All right, now we'll talk about Jerusalem. Uh, this is a club that's largely uh, catering to leftists or labor, uh, leftist fans, uh, labor party people in the country. Uh, very interesting history. In 2007 for this club, the two owners uh, were feuding. I don't know about what, but it was very public. and was very ugly, and the fans were so upset about it that they got together and wanted to buy the club. That kind of fell through, and so they created an alternate club called Hapoel Ketaman Jerusalem. So both teams were playing in parallel, and then in 2019, I don't know if it was finances and the owners just got sick of stuff, but uh, Hapoel, uh, Hapoel Jerusalem disbanded, and then the Kataman team got the rights to the name the next year in 2020, and now they are, you know, uh, Hapoel Jerusalem, so good on them. The fans made it happen, and that makes them a noob favorite, even if they are probably going to go down. They did win the FA Cup one time, but that was all the way back in 1973. Uh, last year, they were in Liga Lumet, that second division. They finished in second place, and that was good enough to get promoted. This year, they've got a 3-7-10 record and an identical goals for and goals against to Petatikva. Uh, key player to look for for them. Top 10 in league assists is a guy whose name I just love. Sounds like a cheesy and yet somehow cool superhero. Maybe even a Muppet. Who knows? Guy Badash. Yeah. The team's form, uh, they're 0-2-4 in their last six, and they could not keep a clean sheet. And in traditional fashion for this show, we will end things not by wishing them good luck, because quite frankly, Gal Gadot or not, 
They are not deserving of such, and so we will send them off in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that's a wrap on episode 69 of Soccer Noob Rockin' America. Thank you very much to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry, to Dan, the aforementioned Interno Inferno, so named because all of his contributions remain on fire in the best way, and to Person Noob. Thank you for not making too, too much fun of me this week. I appreciate your efforts, even your segment where you think that you are picking up my slack. I suppose you probably were. And thank you to you for listening. Uh, If you've enjoyed this, we really endeavor to provide something. Yes, a little bit silly at times, but this was such an interesting episode to prep. So many interesting clubs all around the world that I don't think get a lot of run on a lot of other podcasts. So we hope you'll share this with your footy-minded friends. Until you can listen in again in a few days, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.